0: Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Gary Harvat, and we're glad to have so many people joining us today. We've got a great program planned. We have some wonderful guests with us today. But before we introduce them, I'd just like to introduce my colleagues who will be presenting today uh, and asking questions of our uh, wonderful panel that we have here. Uh, Chuck Humphrey up in our Danville office. Good afternoon, Chuck. Good to see you. Good afternoon, Mr. Harvat. Great. And Ed Marasco, just up the hill from me here in Pittsburgh
1: hey gary good afternoon
0: well gentlemen uh i'm sure it's a busy time of year and we're fortunate to be able to uh, take part in a great great story today um craig Partie is joining us craig is the association of air medical services patient of the year and he has a very unique story to share with us today and nina doyle is from mercy flight central Nina is uh, one of the caregivers that had Craig on that fateful day and cared for him. Uh, We're going to ask some some questions of the two to tell us about it and I think uh, the message that you know will be driven home here is the work that we do. The work that you folks do out in the field um, really does pay off and it really has great outcomes and I know sometimes that's not always the case but this one in particular Um, had an incredible outcome and one that uh, I've heard the story I've read the information about Craig and what he's done what happened to him not only at the day of the accident but also what he's done to uh, further the message of what emergency medical services in particular air medical services has done and can do and is so important to every community so um, Thank you both for joining us today. I really appreciate it. We're so glad to have you here. Um, You folks who are live with us this afternoon, you can ask questions should you have any. Uh, Craig and Nina have been nice enough to uh, be willing to answer your questions. So if you do have questions, you can get down to the bottom of your video screen. You can just click on the Q&A button, type your question in, and we will pose them to um, our wonderful guests today. So with that, I'll get us started here and turn this over to Ed, and again, with my thanks to Craig and Nina for joining us. So thank you both.
1: Ed? Hey, thanks, G. I appreciate it very much, and welcome to all of you out there. And, and this really is uh, an amazing story. And uh, Craig, uh, first of all, let me, let me start with you um, and say uh, thanks for taking the time. And it was indeed a pleasure to meet you at the Air Medical Transport Conference But uh, we have the we have the opportunity to get acquainted with you a little bit. So but for the listeners, could you just maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do? You have a kind of unique profession um, and how you got into that. Um, Basically,
2: by trade, I'm a general contractor. So my day job is uh, doing anything from residential to like commercial. Uh, We do site work, uh, foundations and then framing and uh, development. Um, but then my hobby and my passion is a weekend job of uh, working on race cars.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And, uh, and you've had quite a history on that side of it as well. So can you tell us a little bit about what happened that day?
2: Um, it was uh, Friday uh, morning early on uh, June 26th of 2020. Uh, we were dismantling a late 1800s uh, barn to move it to another location. Um, and it was probably a little before eight in the morning and, and we were just about done taking out what we needed to before we were getting ready to, uh, lay the building over onto the ground. And, uh, somebody yelled that the roof was coming down and we were in the lower portion of it. It was probably a story and a half of a post and bean barn.
1: Wow. Oh my. And, and do what do you recall? Like after the collapse itself, do you have any recollection of those immediate minutes afterwards?
2: Yes. um, Basically, I was trying to get free because I could move my feet and move a little bit, but I was pinned on my right side uh, against a beam that I was laying over on top of the ground. Um, But I could see daylight probably 40 or 50 feet in front of me because enough of the center of the building had stayed up enough that it created a little bit of a gap. But the uh, roof of the barn had pinned my uh, right shoulder and pushed me down onto that beam so I couldn't get free. Um, And I was yelling for help to let people know that I was alive under there um but then shortly afterwards um passed out but it was kind of a eerie feeling when i passed out because i didn't know if somebody was going to get to you in time yeah you know what i mean you, you didn't know if that was it wow
3: yeah craig who came who came to assist you uh at that point like what do you remember after that what, did you come to at that point and, and who was there and uh and do you recall any of the you know how you were removed from uh, from underneath all that
2: um, they say I was out for about an hour by the time, um, they actually got there and lifted the building up, but there, uh, there was a farmer that was right next door. Uh, so they got him to come over with a skid steer and they kind of propped the building up till, uh, firefighters and EMS got there. Um, mm-hmm. but when I came through about an hour later, when I was still under the building, uh, there was two EMS people underneath there with me, um, three or four firefighters cause they're getting ready to put air lift the building up with airbags and then I had a um sheriff that was laying on the side of me just to keep me calm even though I was out just so I didn't move because they didn't know what my injuries were
3: wow that's fantastic yeah and just thinking boy that sheriff you know jumping right in there and uh, great thinking skid steer propping that all up until they could get airbags underneath there um actually had some personal experience with that I was uh involved as a first responder on a roof collapse on a fire station uh, build many years ago and um, I still see that patient from time to time and uh, um, I, he, he often tells me how scared he was that day and how, uh, how glad he was to see us. So how long did the extrication take place and um, and how many total people do you have a I? Do, do you know how many people were involved in that and, and what was the total time of that all?
2: Uh, I'm probably going to say, I mean, I don't know how long they got there before I came through, but after I came through, it was probably like another 15 minutes to a half hour by the time they, you know, got everything up enough that they could put me on a backboard and then drag me out from underneath there. Um, But there was more firefighters, police officers, and EMS people outside that I could see, you know, from out, you know, from underneath the building that were standing around or or bent down looking underneath besides the ones that were underneath there with me.
3: Mm -hmm. I got you. So from collapse to your extrication, how long total?
2: Uh, I'm gonna guess probably an hour and a half. Oh to my an hour gosh. And a half. Wow,
3: wow. What what do you remember about that hour and a half? What strikes you like as you think back over it now? Uh, I'm sure you've had plenty of times to 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 recall. Um, what 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 are the high points of the things that you remember? Uh, I'm interested because I'm always wondering as, you know, as a provider myself, just what the patient, I often think what goes through their mind. And sometimes we have time to talk to them. Sometimes we don't, but this is one of those unique times I can ask a patient, what was it? What, what do you recall?
2: Um, it was nice when I came through and saw people underneath there with me that I, yeah. I mean, that was probably the, the best thing. And then I could hear um, mercy flight or a helicopter coming in um, to land. Cause I could hear, you know, the, the helicopter
0: Uh he's there so uh great segue thank you for that craig so nina if i might ask of you um you know I, i take it you landed adjacent to the to the barn structure is that correct in a field i'm guessing
4: yep we landed in a field that was right across the road and I ran over to the scene to see how far we were at and what kind of the situation was and once we determined that it was going to be a prolonged extrication we had the pilot shut the helicopter down uh, you know to keep the wind and the noise down
0: Sure, sure.
4: because we didn't really know what we were walking into yet
0: so I take it you were on scene for a period of time before the, uh, the, the rescue teams and the sheriff and everybody else got him out of there
4: yeah we were on scene for close to an hour
0: I see I see mm-hmm. and it
4: only took us like nine minutes to get there though so
0: short flight time
4: relatively quick. yeah
0: yeah that's that's wonderful so you you were basically waiting for him and uh, yep that doesn't often happen I know when you fly to most scenes the the crew on the ground has the patient ready to go and there's a transfer of care and up and out yeah you go but this in this case you were. Uh, this
4: was definitely unique.
0: Sure was. Mm-hmm. So um, when he finally got to you, what did you find?
4: Um, well, my partner and I had been discussing what potentially could be the injuries that he would have. I was on the outside of the barn kind of like looking over, trying to determine what was going on. And when they pulled him out on the backboard, we thought for sure he had some sort of spinal cord injury just based on the way that he was kind of crunched under that rooftop. Um, Mm -hmm. But once we got him out, I thought for sure that once that he was extricated from there, things were gonna go downhill really rapidly. And we were prepared with medications and all of that uh, to treat him should that have happened. Uh, Luckily, he wasn't stuck under there long enough to have any real terrible electrolyte imbalances, but once we got him out, we thought it was pretty clear that he had some extremity injuries.
0: So, Craig, when they brought you out uh, to the flight crew, were you alert at that point?
2: Yeah. um, Before they put me on the backboard, they gave me some type of, um, not medicine, but a shot of something to kind of, so I was having a hard time trying to focus.
4: It
0: was
2: ketamine. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I was trying to stay focused as much as I could and alert um, when they took me from the backboard over to buyer vehicles and then put me on the stretcher and because I wanted to be able to um, give my cell phone to the uh, sheriff officer that I talked to underneath and unlock it for him so he can make a few phone calls for me. <laughs>
0: now, uh, Craig, you uh, when we were in Fort Worth with you, you told us the the worst part of, of the whole ordeal was – uh, was it the trip on the stretcher down the gravel road? If I'm, I am i don't want to steal your thunder here, but uh, I think there was something like that.
2: Yeah, down the driveway. It was eh, a couple hundred feet from there to the helicopter, and that was a pretty bumpy ride. It's
0: the longest hundred feet of your life, I'm sure, right? Yeah. It was
4: also not our favorite part either,
0: Craig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well,
3: Nina, 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 I'm interested. Um, so as as things go, and you see, you know, in air medical, you see a lot of unique things. But how did this scene size up in comparison to what you're normally used to? I'm assuming you're used to MVAs, you know, used to that. But but I mean, what what was what when you landed? What was your first thoughts? I'm I'm interested to hear what went through your mind as you looked at that mess. The
4: first thing I said. Right on the internal communications to my partners and the pilot, I was like, there is no way there's a living human being under there. Oh, like geez. they must be mistaken because the whole barn was almost flushed to the ground and I could not fathom how there could be a person
3: hmm.
4: basically, you know, kneeling underneath it. Um, I was pleasantly surprised, though, when I walked over and they were like, "No, he was conscious. Now he's passed out again." But he was—he was conscious. He has a pulse. Um, the area that we cover, we see a lot of a lot of interesting things. There's a lot of um, Amish and Mennonite in our area, mm-hmm. so while we do get a lot of car crashes, we also have a lot of like farm accidents, horse and buggy accidents and some industrial stuff too. But um, this was a first for, I'm pretty sure, anyone at the company. (laughs) And everyone was real curious to hear how it went when we got back. We were like, there's there's no way. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely uh, the the call of all calls there. So Nina, you get them loaded in. Uh, and then I'm sure you're going through all the assessments and findings. What did you come up with um, en route to the, to the trauma center?
4: Really just some extra injuries. Like I said, we were super shocked that he was completely neurologically intact, and yes, we, uh, the medical director for Finger Lakes Ambulance was actually on scene, and he was giving directions to his one paramedic that was under the barn, and that's how he got the ketamine. And so he was pretty out of it, and we were like, well, you know, this is probably from the ketamine, but we'll treat it like a head injury anyway. Um, We ended up giving him some medication, and um, I mean, that was really it, just supportive care. And uh, partner might have ultrasounded him on the way in.
0: I see. Because
4: we do that as a fast exam, and we were just incredibly shocked That everything was negative. I think we were looking for it to be so much worse than it was because when we pulled up on, or not pulled up, when we landed on scene, it was just such a crazy situation.
0: Sure was. Now, Craig, when the roof collapsed, do you have any recollection of, you know, trying to get into a corner or into a ball or something like that? Or do you it just happened way too fast? Do you remember trying to protect yourself in any way?
2: um yeah somebody yelled from outside saying that it was coming down so basically i kind of looked at where i was and with not knowing what direction it was falling and um so basically i kind of just knelt down on the ground because i was kind of somewhat in the center of the building and was just going to hope for the best instead of trying to make a run for it and then maybe be in a worse spot and you know it'd be even flatter than it was sure. you know and that sure
0: so craig you spent some time in the hospital there um uh, before I pass you I know Ed has a couple more questions for you what what were the, all your injuries at the end of the day after they got you in there and evaluated and probably did a lot of diagnostics
2: uh, I had six uh, fractured ribs but they had multiple fractures and then with the way that the roof had pushed me down on top of the beam it had taken the ribs when it broke them and it had pushed them over so they lap over now over the side of my ribs so they kinda lap over by like an inch Oh. Um, Fractured sternum. I fractured both ankles. Uh, I had a punctured lung, and then a uh, nick in my liver, and then also uh, some lacerations on my wrists and stuff that they had to stitch up.
1: Mm.
0: Relatively, considering what happened there, I mean, those were obviously some serious injuries, but how much, it could have been a heck of a lot worse. My goodness gracious. And yeah.
2: very thinning. I mean, it was only that, not something else that I mean, sure. could have been paralyzed. I mean, a lot of other situ- worse situations.
1: Absolutely. So, so, Craig, how long were you actually in the hospital dude, when it was all said?
2: I was in the ICU for 10 days. They had me in the ICU burn unit for like a day and a half because they were watching my liver to make sure there wasn't any issues with that. And then when mm-hmm. that was, they figured out that was fine and not bleeding anymore, they moved me down to the regular ICU floor
0: then your hospital stay overall was, was how long then?
1: Uh, 10 days. Wow. Wow. That is, that's <laughs> that's incredible. That is
0: incredible.
1: We were just having that conversation on a, in a different call today about how the technology has gotten so much better and how their patients are getting sprung so much earlier than it used to be in the old days, for sure. Most definitely. Yeah. So, Craig, tell us a little bit. Let's shift gears a little bit. How did you get involved in NASCAR? Um,
2: I got involved, uh, after college, cause I used to do SCCA racing in college, which is mm-hmm. a sports club of America. So I would go compete at that, um, and always have had a kind of a passion for racing. Even as a kid, we'd go to the local dirt tracks and watch racing. Um, but I happened to be in our uh, plumbing supply house one day. And, uh, one of the sales reps that I knew at the counter was saying that, uh, they needed help that weekend on one of the Bush North teams that was running at Watkins Glen. So I went over and said some and said we were going to be down there camping anyways, that I could come help, you know, work on the race car if they wanted, cause they were shorthanded. So he gave my name to the uh, team owner and called me, uh, cause they were based out of Syracuse, New York and went up there and met with them and then started helping them out for a couple of years and then kind of moved my way on up through up, up to the uh, x Mini series and then up into the cup and then kind of back and forth.
3: Hmm. Hmm.
1: So just, just as a hobby, what, um, Ultimately, what what gave you the idea to include Mercy Flight's logo on the car? How did that How did that come around?
2: Well, it's kind of it was for them, plus all the EMS and firefighters that do what they do. Um, because if it wasn't for all of them, I wouldn't be here today. I mean, it's pretty much cut and dry. I mean, kind of is yeah. a tribute to show respect and acknowledgement uh, for what
1: they do. Yeah. And just out of curiosity, prior to this situation, had you have much exposure to your local emergency medical services prior to your accident or have any interactions? Know anybody in EMS, for example?
2: Yeah, I know a bunch of the local firefighters um, and then know a few of the local EMS guys that ride on the ambulance. And then we'd also um, Mercy Flight had been out to our brewery. Um, we did. We used to do it in the fall at EMS uh, weekend. So we'd have all the providers out um, with, from fire departments, um, just to, so more of an education thing for the kids so that they could uh, meet the personnel in more of a uh, pleasant setting than when there's a time of need and they just uh, show up at the house so that they're not as worried that they're there to help, you know, to make the situation better. Great approach. Greg.
3: were there uh, first responders that you were personally acquainted with on the scene that day?
2: No, it was in an, um, up in Farmington where we were doing, doing the work. So it's oh, probably okay. like about 40 uh, minutes
3: from so- Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Chuck. Yeah. uh, So uh, have you, I'm sure your fellow racers noticed that you have an air medical helicopter as your logo, which is very atypical in NASCAR. So I'm wondering about what kind of conversation from your fellow racers, this all has sparked. Uh, And I'm assuming that it has helped you spread the word about, um, you know, the involvement and uh, tell the story. So I'm interested in, in what's come out of your using that as your as your logo. Um,
2: yeah, a lot of the people noticed it that weekend. Plus we had a uh, local news media pickup on it. Uh, so one of the channels, TV channels did a, came out and did a photo shoot with a interaction and they put it on the news. And then they also did a um, write up about it on their news channel. Cool. Um, nina, what,
3: even, what, oh i'm sorry go ahead craig
2: oh and even um the driver that we had that weekend um mentioned to dale jr so they even mentioned it on the NBC broadcast and then they shot the car on or showed pictures of him driving the car on the racetrack and then mentioned it and then showed uh, me in the pits
3: How about that is that? so that's, cool that's awesome nina what so what was the what's been the extension for you guys what kind of notoriety and fame has this brought to you?
4: Well, it's definitely probably one of the coolest things that I've been involved in as a result of what could have been a real tragedy. Um, But it's, you know, afforded some new friendships and some opportunities. And it's been incredibly, incredibly cool to show up at conferences and, you know, at Watkins Glen with a race car that matches the helicopter that I work on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, you know, we're at an air medical conference with all these helicopters in the room, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, you guys brought the race
3: car? <laughs> 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 That's so cool. <laughs> it it well, was. And plus, I'm sure that uh, it's exciting to be able to – tell the story, a success story like this, you know, cause again, we often don't get to do that. So I'm sure I know, um, uh, you know, in my history and when I'm able to celebrate, I like to celebrate. What a great way to to focus attention on the, the care that you guys give. I just think it's awesome.
0: It was pretty cool there, Chuck. Uh, and Nina's exactly right. And Craig can attest as well. You know, that conference uh, is always filled uh, the exhibit hall is always filled with helicopters. So, you know, my first time strolling through there, which was on the day I was setting up, you know, like there's a helicopter, there's a helicopter, there's, another hel- there's a race car, and uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was something. And then we were, uh, the great folks at Mercy Flight Central were nice enough to come over and introduce us to Craig. And, of course, you know, hey, we're all up for a Kodak moment. So we went over to the car and had a, had a couple of, uh, Photos taken, which uh, I actually have in my office even to this day. We got them uh, set up, and uh, it's it's a great it's a great testament to the wonderful care that was delivered and a great story um on the, to, to deliver to the public and to uh caregivers like nina alike because you know we have a lot of uh, oh boy days and didn't work out the way we liked it but when you hear a story like this you know it gives you hope that all the time and education and work that you folks do to train um does pay off and Nina and Craig of course are a true testament to that so Craig what what would you like to say to our listeners in closing would you do you have any messages uh, anything that you've been I know you've been asked to speak probably quite a bit about this incident and uh, you know you've got sadly through a terrible incident you've got great notoriety so good for you Um, but uh, do you have any message that you're you want to convey here as we close today
3: well
1: I mean,
2: I would like to thank all the local, doesn't matter what state or county they're in, all the local EMS and firefighters that do what they do, because if it wasn't for all of them putting their life on the line every day, I mean, because most of them are in rural areas where they do not get a salary or get paid. So, I mean, they're doing it because they like to do it. And I mean, they could have easily came to the situation that I was in and said, well, I'm not crawling under there or I'm not getting underneath, you know, an unsafe building and put my life at risk to, you know, save one person. Sure. Uh, But, it'd be nice if people would go out and support, um, their local places, you know, if they're doing a chicken barbecue or fundraisers or or whatever, just to help them, you know, get money so they can do training equipment. Um, and then even if people want to volunteer, I mean, cause the local, especially in the rural areas, the EMS and fire fighting companies are in dire need of uh, volunteers to actually go work.
1: Yeah. Great. Great message. Craig and you know the other thing I was thinking about too and I think you and I chatted about this briefly and at the conference and that is what a very analogous situation right the teamwork that's involved in in racing and all the different pieces that have to come together to have a successful race when you think about that day all the people who are involved the sheriff the firefighters the extrication folks the, the first responders who actually provided the initial care and then of course the Mercy Flight guys uh, Nina and her team coming in. I mean, it's just and, and then afterwards, right? you went through all that the trauma center stuff, the ICU staff, all the rehab that you had to experience uh, very similar to you know what what racing life is like, I guess.
2: Right. And I mean and, and it doesn't matter. I mean if we lose like either the firefighters or the EMS, I mean we everybody you need all those parts to work together for the end goal because it doesn't matter if you have one and not the rest, you still can't get to the end goal.
0: That's true. Very, very true. So, Craig, I'll ask a question here. Um, So, what ever became of the barn?
2: Uh, It's sitting, waiting to be put back up.
0: (laughs) You're still working on it.
2: (laughs) It's over at my friend's house, all covered up.
0: I see. And you were moving this thing, I take it. An 1800. yeah Oh, God bless you. That's great. Well,. It has been a pleasure talking to you, and Nina, thanks for playing such a great supporting role in this conversation today, but a much more a life-saving role on that fateful day, and I know um, your lives will be um, bound together probably for many, many years to come, and what a great thing that is for sure. So um, I would like to thank you both, and with you, you and your families, and to all those folks who will be working this holiday season, um, the best of holidays, um, we can't share our time at home with our with our, with our families and friends without having you folks uh, in all all facets of public safety, fire, EMS, uh, police out there, and uh, our thanks and our hearts go out to you. So, Nina, please extend uh, our thanks to those who were with you that day, as well as all folks within the Mercy Flight Central organization. We're we're honored to be a partner with you, and we're thankful that you took time from your day. So, thank you
4: absolutely
0: thank you for the invitation well we're glad to have you i'm, I'm not sure that you'll you'll be famous as a result but we'll that's okay <laughs> i don't i don't
4: need any fame yeah but
0: <laughs> you, well you're you're famous every day for the good job that you you folks and all your folks at your organization do so uh fame doesn't have to be in front of a tv screen or on a in a movie movie theater somewhere so we're we're just honored that you guys took time and Um, I'll close by uh, thanking my colleagues here today, Ed and Chuck, for joining in. And, uh, again, wish everybody a great holiday. So thanks for joining us, folks. We appreciate it. Uh, Happy holidays to all of you. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you.